Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CounterPoint Podcast. My name is Maurice Kleina, and I'll be again your host for this episode. And today we have a uh, really uh, interesting topic uh, on our hands. Uh, we're talking about the U.S. market, um, a market that you know I'm one of the primary analysts on. And with me, I have uh, Jeff Fieldhack, who is the director of North America. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Uh, hello, Maurice. All is well. Awesome. So yeah, so I mean, we cover the North America market, you know, in, in a lot of detail um, by channels, we look at all the promotions that are happening. And, you know, we cover everything from connected devices, uh, smartphones, um, uh, pet trackers, uh, you know, the, the connected uh, golf equipment as well. So um, I hope we have a pretty good uh, session on what we can, you know, kind of show the audience today. Yeah, uh, it's exciting times and with 5G and lots of moving parts. Uh, yeah, certainly a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, and to kind of set the stage, um, you know, with the pandemic, uh, 2020 was a pretty tough year and uh, for, for all of us, really, um, for the smartphone market as well. Um, but however, in Q1, you know, we're really seeing some recovery in the market again. And, um, you know, of, of course, this is a, a kind of a high bump because Q1 2020 was a uh, pretty uh, low month. Uh, but Q1 2021 looks to be about, um, you know, between 15 and 20 percent year over year growth. So there's actually um, some tremendous tremendous rebound in this market coming. Um, however, um, you know, what, <laughs> there are a lot of other things that are happening too, such as uh, component shortages, um, LG's exit from the smartphone market, um, and even, you know, how 5G is going. So there's a lot to talk about here. So let's get right into it. Um, and first, I kind of want to touch upon um, this this high end segment that we have in the mar um, in the U.S. market. So, Apple and Samsung clearly dominating the market with their high end flagships: the iPhone 12 coming out, the S21. Um, what do you think are the key drivers um, for this premium segment for the U.S. market? Yeah. So, in kind of back step to Q4, which is usually normally dominated by flagships, it was even more so dominated by uh, Apple and Samsung and the flagships. The U.S. market was down year over year in Q4, uh, you know, high single digit percentage, yet Apple was up 15% and Samsung was up 5%. And I think the driver was... Uh, pent-up demand on the iOS side uh, for a 5G uh, device. You also had S21 and, you know, Samsung flagships, and then Samsung introducing A51, A71. So Galaxy's 5G trickling down into um, lower price tiers. Then on the carrier and channel side, uh, all carriers knew 5G iPhones were coming end of the year. So they planned their entire years and marketing spend around this event. So all of them had great deals out the gate. Um, you know, iPhone 12s free or nearly free, big trade-in plans, and uh, they, they all went very aggressive. So that really helped premium, really helped Apple. Apple gained their, their highest market share ever in the U.S. market. And then there were also um, uh, uh, carriers, AT&T went very aggressive. They weren't just doing the normal, hey, come to AT&T and switch 
and then we'll give you this uh, special promo. They were doing it for the base. The base got the same deals as switchers. So this was a bit of a change, a very aggressive change. And uh, AT&T went from a very low upgrade percentage to uh, a much higher upgrade percentage. So this really uh, drove sales. And finally, I'd add that the premium segment was helped by media bundles. Uh, T-Mobile has Netflix, Verizon, Disney+, Plus, AT&T, HBO Max, and they all want to lock in subscribers into premium, unlimited plans with these media bundles. And during a year of COVID, you know, the U.S. still not fully open uh, for travel and that. So these bundles with media uh, were very popular since we're still, uh, you know, sitting around watching a lot of TV. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm for sure doing that right now. Um, and and just to touch on one other thing um, that you mentioned earlier, this pent up demand. Uh, we not only saw that in Q4, but even early on in Q1, um, I think this this you know contributed to some of this growth that we had um, in in Q1, even in January and February, where we saw Apple's. Uh, market share and volume still um, being maintained because uh, pent up demand spilled over from Q4 into Q1. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, a couple things. It was the later launch, November, December. So some of it spilled over, but also it's clear um, the iPhone 12 is a strong upgrade and will be a strong year. Um, yeah, throughout the year. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Q1 off to a good start. And then uh, good comps to March started kind of the decline uh, in 2020. So yeah, year over year, Q1 uh, is very strong. And we've already seen that uh, Verizon up 5-ish percent, uh, AT&T up, you know, 30-ish percent uh, with their uh, very aggressive promos during the first quarter. Right. And let, let's switch to the the prepaid segment now. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the premium. And when we talk about that, it's generally the postpaid segment. Um, but uh, when we talk about more mid-tier devices or even budget devices, so anything really below $250, um, you know, around $200, um, what has demand been like there? And um, are we seeing any aggressive promotions? You know, of course, the U.S. has uh, tax season right now. So it's a big, um, you know, it's a big driver for growth, particular and prepaid. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, for speaking about Q4 and then maybe early into Q1, I think prepaid uh, struggled a bit. Um you know, and this is very different from the norm. Usually when there's a struggling economy, high unemployment, uh, there is usually a shift from uh, postpaid to prepaid, lower end um, service plans. But this was different um, this go around when we've had, you know, uh, a struggling economy and high unemployment. And I think it's first that started with uh, the carriers and broadband providers of uh, uh, forming the Keep America Connected plan where they wouldn't drop uh, consumers if they hadn't played or they missed, uh, missed a payment or two. So that kept subscribers on postpaid plans. And then we also found, hey, when the stimulus checks uh, hit the market, people used it to buy uh, mobile devices and mobile services. So, uh, you know, this somewhat helped, started to help 
the low end of the market. And then, um, as you mentioned, tax season, that it was a little later this year, February, end of February and into March. That's when we really saw uh, the low end of the market then really rebound. And we saw aggressive promotions, uh, iPhone SE at $50, uh, many, um, you know, $250, $200 uh, devices for free or, um, yeah, very, very low uh, point of sale pricing. So this really helped the prepaid market uh, snap back. And one other comment I'd make about the prepaid market, it is it is looking more like the postpaid market in that uh, in the past, prepaid devices were not subsidized. So they were bought, you know, on its own merit. And, you know, the the, the price tiers were, were very diverse and, and spread out, but it really focused on like below $99. And now with the big promos for the switchers and these switch devices are higher end devices. They're 200 to 250. Uh, they're like the LG stylos and the iPhone SE. And so what we're seeing um, is kind of a, a higher end uh, lift to uh, the prepaid market. And I think this will continue as the prepaid carriers want to add, uh, you know, 5G and move uh, the, the prepaid base onto 5G devices. That's actually a perfect segue to my next question, because um, I kind of want to know a little bit more about um, 5G devices and how they're moving down these price tiers, right? So in the beginning, um, when 5G first launched, we had these devices over $1,000, the S10 5G, um, they've slowly moved down price tiers, right? And we we had devices like the, the A51, A71 um, that, that helped drive down prices. And, and even now, I think, um, you know, I'm just on the T-Mobile website right now, there are three devices that are actually sub $300. Um, so the OnePlus uh, N10 5G, the, um, the new Samsung A32 5G, and also the um, a Moto device, the the Moto um, 5G Ace. So these are all moving down. Um, really, these price tiers. Um, what what is really the the lowest you've seen though? Um, speaking with like promotions and things that that are happening in the market. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, it's not quite the China market where we see many. 5G devices at like the 170 or 175 uh, price, but certainly coming down into the 300s. And the thing about the U.S. market is it's a promotion marketing uh, all-in uh, uh, market. So we do see promos. You mentioned the Moto One 5G Ace. Uh, it's at $130 on the AT&T uh, prepaid uh, website. So I think that's the low mark, uh, $130. But there are so many promos for switchers to get on a 5G device. And you also mentioned the Samsung Galaxy A32. That is uh, T-Mobile's big push with their 5G lead to get uh, lots of switchers. I think they're going to offer that one at very low price or even free uh, for switchers uh, maybe throughout most of uh, 2021. So um, even though maybe, you know, the U.S. market's mainly in the 300s is kind of the low level, there are always promos that are much lower for 5G devices. Yeah, certainly. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of that uptake. Um, um, I agree. And um, 
you know, touching on something kind of similar again with with more of this lower tier uh, $250 smartphones that we're seeing, um, you know, Recently, uh, we had a big announcement from LG, and it, it announced its formal exit from the smartphone market. Um, the Huawei sanctions had a big impact on on things as well for the for the U.S. market. What are some OEMs do you think that could fill that space now of um, um, that LG has has left with with this sub two hundred fifty dollars segment? You know, the the Stylo Six, the the K fifty one were really big, big drivers, not only for LG, but also the prepaid market. So who do you see um, taking that gap? Yeah, um, in within the prepaid channel, so this kind of sub uh, $250 price point you mentioned, if Samsung wants to go for a land grab for market share, which I highly suspect they will do, I think Samsung can take 40 to 50% of this uh, LG void. But there are lots of others that are primed and really focused on this this space um, that also will take a significant share, but not as probably as much as Samsung. And these are players such as Motorola, OnePlus, uh, TCL, uh, ZTE, and then probably to a lesser extent, uh, Blue, which is seen in uh, national retail and will look to be picking up some of the, the, the LG SKUs there. One, one other point I would make about um, LG and their uh, loss to the market is, yeah, most of their volumes were dominated in the prepaid and lower tier uh, price tiers, but they were a valuable uh, partner to the operators uh, in the postpaid channels because they were always early with technology. They were early uh, OEM bringing technologies um, through the years, Wi-Fi calling, uh, carrier aggregation, and then more recently, 5G, millimeter wave. They were an early test partner uh, to U.S. carriers, a valued partner. And that part will be a big void, even in the higher end, uh, where you know their volumes weren't great, but they were still a, a very valuable partner. Right. And I think, you know, a, a combination actually of uh, who can provide the first, you know, sub 250, uh, sub $200 5G device with this uh, type of partnership potential could really, um, you know, make it big in the market, basically. I, I agree. And also LG, you know, they brought in marketing money. So they're like big enough that where they did that. And also for these big promos in the prepaid, which is our big volumes, when you have a free switch device or something, LG was able to ramp volumes and be um, uh, a sufficient supplier. Uh, and uh, yeah, was v- uh, very much relied upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a of of a tale of of both of those for for sure. But I think so far the answer is very tight, but rarely affecting overall sales. And by what I what I mean by that is uh, Apple, Samsung, premium. The supply seems uh, good. I think they're such a valuable large player. They got their share of components and had their their orders in and are sufficient uh, to date and through. Uh, the the first half of of the year, the prepaid the low end of the market is where we are seeing already shortages and empty pegs, and this is because the four G SOCs there's the sh- the the shortages of that many OEMs knowing there were shortages 
uh, yeah, they went with 5G devices over lower margin uh, 4G devices. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, the second, third tier players that are playing in the low end, yeah, they're the ones that are hit first. But what I mean by uh, overall sales haven't been affected is the low end of the market and the prepaid channels, they're they're less brand and model loyal. Whereas an iPhone 12 or S21 um, a person that wants to upgrade, they know what they're going to upgrade to and they're waiting on it. If there was a shortage on the high end, they would probably defer the purchase. But on the low end, there are other choices. Uh, there's another low end uh, device that's on promo. So if the Stylo 6 or some A series that have been in uh, serious uh, uh, shortages, They'll just simply choose another device. That could change if you know uh, things get worse. But as of now, uh, yeah, it's very. I, I would call call it very very tight, but not yet affecting overall sales. Interesting. Uh, so I actually wanted to pick your brain on something else. Uh, you're actually, and I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but you're really uh, the go-to um, person that we have for for the refurb market as well. So you do a lot of research on what's happening. Uh, for refurbs. And of course, like you mentioned before, um, a lot of these carriers uh, sweeten the deals with trade-ins for for the new iPhones and even S21 devices that we're seeing, um, which has created a lot more um, a lot more customers trading in uh, new device uh, or old devices to get uh, new, new 5G phones. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the market, the, the refurb market actually uh, performed in 2020 and uh, how things are looking now in Q1. Um, and, and also some one of the questions that we um, often get is like, well, w- with this component shortage, um, does this create opportunity for the refurb market? Yeah, the refurb market, super interesting space in itself. During COVID, all used markets seem to uh, uh, get much uh, higher demand. So housing market, used cars, used RVs, all were very strong um, during 2020 in, the, in you know this COVID world. It was same on the smartphone um, side for refurbished and secondary market. However, so the demand was really high, but since new device sales were down 10%, the supply of secondary markets was low. So overall, the refurbished market suffered uh, with in 2020, not because of demand, but because of supply. Kind of fast forward to Q4 and Q1 of 2021, high-end devices have been really selling well. There's lots of iPhone um, 12 purchasers that handed in an old iPhone, same on the Samsung uh uh, side. So going through the system, uh, there's a large uh, supply coming into the secondary market, but we need to wait to Q2 and Q3 for those um, secondary devices to to really uh, enter the secondary market. So the short answer is it's the secondary market suffered in 2020, but it's really picking up uh, here and especially will pick up in the second half of 2021. Interesting. And, uh, you know, looking again into the future now, um, you know, with every year we have seen some um, spec upgrades, um, you know, we uh, this uh, I mean, last year really was was a year of higher refresh rates uh, that we're seeing um, 5G being included, uh, included, of course, for connectivity. Um, 
what types of other key trends are you seeing uh, in terms of specs, like you know, battery capacity, flash storage, display size, or, or anything else that um, we're seeing um, continue trending in the U.S. market right now? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd mentioned that this trickle down of specs from the high end to the low end has accelerated. It used to take two to three years for a high end spec to trickle down into uh, the entry space. And now it's dropping to 18 months and even for some specs, one year. So it's much, much faster adoption throughout the portfolio. I would bring up uh, first is the camera technology that's been uh, very fast to trickle down through all price tiers. And this is moving from single to now double, triple, quad cameras. Um, the low light improvements, uh, both on the hardware side and the software side, um, AI uh, used to improve camera functionality. Uh, zooming capabilities is a big brag uh, within marketing. So I would say that is uh, the first spec that I see uh, very interesting. Um, on the display side, uh, at the beginning of 2020, 40% of smartphones sold had a display under uh, six inches. Now, fast forward to today, that figure is only about 10%. So six plus inch smartphone, larger display, that is the norm. That's been a huge trend that's been going on for years, but it's really significant now uh, that such a uh, high percentage of devices are now larger than uh, six inch uh, displays. And there's also this uh, conversion continues uh, more OLEDs into the market, much more expensive, higher-end uh, displays. The other item I'd mention um, that's interesting on the spec side is, is batteries. Um, of course, larger, larger displays, larger footprint, larger batteries, but equally uh, is the impact of fast charging. Uh, this 50% charge in a matter of minutes, you know, 20, 20, uh, 15, 20 minutes, that has been a game changer and has been really uh, the uptake of that from consumers. Yeah, very, uh, very promising. And finally, I'd mention on the the um, memory, the, the NAND of low prices, OEMs have chosen uh, to spec up the uh, the memory configurations on devices. And uh, yeah, I think a trend of less SD cards and just more onboard memory um, has been a trend, you know, supporting videos and photos and that. And uh, yeah, we've seen that uh, trend continue. And uh, um, now we're getting into terabits. So uh, yeah, we expect that to continue uh uh, much higher memory configurations and onboard memory uh, through 2021. Yeah, um, I, I think you know one of the standouts for me was was really this this fast charging um, and how that really changes um, a consumer's behavior with a smartphone. So you don't need to charge your phone overnight anymore. You can literally plug it in uh, in the morning. Um, you know, as you make your coffee, do your breakfast, and you have enough charge for your day. So it, it really, um, I think. Uh, changes the way that we interact with our devices. And um, I, I hope to see more of how this behavior change can can affect things in, in the future as well. Yeah. And for years, we've been talking about Qi um, charging mats, uh, desks, and Starbucks, and libraries, and on buses. And, uh, you know, 
yeah, we've been talking about it for 15 years, but um, it's expensive. Um, it's not as efficient. And with these fast charging, boy, it, uh, um, I think it's yeah, changing um, the focus of OEMs because it's so compelling to get a charge, you know, in 15 minutes. So yeah, it's changing uh, user behavior too. Right. And Jeff, I know we talked uh, about a lot of topics and we could go on and on. Um, I just had one more thing, uh, particularly because uh, right now it's um, it's earnings season. All the carriers are announcing, all the OEMs um, are announcing um, their earnings. Can you talk to us a little bit um, about what operators ha- are, are doing currently, um, what's, what's happening on their side, uh, how's 5G shaping up, um, and anything you um, you can mention out of the the news that we've seen so far. Yeah, 2021 will is certainly now 5G battle is um is on and uh the the highlight is T-Mobile is leading. They have this nationwide 600 megahertz. They also uh with the Sprint merger got Sprint's 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. So they're basically the only mid-band um, carrier in the U.S. They also have some millimeter wave assets. So they have this lead through 2021 on coverage and performance with this mid-band spectrum and look for them to be super aggressive. We already mentioned this free uh, 5G upgrade in the Samsung A32. Look for that to continue pretty much through the entire year. But Verizon and AT are not just sitting around. They they do have their low band uh, via dynamic spectrum sharing uh, that they have, and they're also doubling their millimeter wave of uh, uh, assets, especially attacking the NFL cities. And then they're aggressive on the C-band. They were both huge uh, purchasers of C-band, but that will be a 2022 story before they get that spectrum up and ready, but uh, they're, they're, that will uh, be more of a battle than, um, you know, talking 2022 when, when that mid-band spectrum um, is available. The, the other item I'll end with is uh, with this 5G capacity, all of the major U.S. operators are focused on fixed wireless access. Now, they will use their mid-band and uh, millimeter wave assets uh, as a new option for broadband and really try to monetize the billions of dollars they've uh, spent on Spectrum. So that will be another other, uh, interesting area, fixed wireless access that we're, we'll be tracking here through 2021. Yeah, these are all certainly topics I think uh, we could go in uh, depth in, in another episode, perhaps. Uh, but for now, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, this has been super informative and um, yeah, hope to see you again. Hey, thanks, Maurice. Of course. And thanks, everyone, for listening again. Um, As always, you can find this podcast on our website, counterpointresearch.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, TuneIn, and others. So until next time, thanks again, everyone, and take care.